All right. I want you to notice what it says in verse 6 of Isaiah 62. It says, I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day nor night. Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence. And when I think about that verse, sometimes I think a lot of our uh, kids, when they're little, they like their life verse. Keep not silence. And uh, you know, we're going to make, make noise. We're never going to hold our peace day nor night. Anybody ever felt that way with their kids? Well, Truth is, this is uh, the, this is a good verse when it comes to being a watchman for God. We should not keep silent. We should always be making some noise. And the title of tonight's message is "Keep Not Silence." And part of being a Christian is sharing your faith with others. I have many times knocked on doors, and I have had people tell me. I remember one lady in particular. She said, "You know what? I'm a Christian. I have my own faith." And you know what? I just don't think it's right to go around telling other people what you believe. I think it's really none of your business. And I just think this is wrong. And I remember she slammed the door in my face. And I'm thinking, part of being a Christian is telling other people about Christ. And I don't know what form of Christianity she was, but she obviously didn't know that much about it. But we who are Christians, we should be sharing our faith. The world has told us, our country has told us, that we can have our religion, but you know you ought to keep it to yourself. That's what people say. Culture, hey, that's fine. You know, if you want to be Christian, Muslim, Buddhist, you know, you believe in the church, belong to the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. Hey, that's your prerogative, but keep it to yourself. They always say, you know, two things you shouldn't talk about: politics and religion. And the, typically, the people that say that always want to talk about politics. You know, it's just conservative politics you're not supposed to talk about. But the truth is, part of being a Christian. Part of practicing what we do is us opening our mouth. That is a huge part of who we are. And so it doesn't make any sense at all to be a practicing Christian and keeping it to yourself. It doesn't make sense. But yet many people who call themselves Christians have gone along with this way of thinking. They've been intimidated into submitting. And you know, today we have what is known as the cancel culture and many are filtering truth in order to avoid being canceled. And understand, most people aren't that worried about being canceled, like canceled, meaning deplatformed, as much as they are being canceled in the sense of everybody's condemning you. That's what many people fear. They don't. A lot of a lot of preachers out there, that are out there, they're not afraid of getting canceled on YouTube. I don't even think they really want to be online now. Just everybody kind of has to since COVID. Everybody's just doing it now. But I think the biggest thing they fear is people finding out who they are and getting some kind of grief. And understand, if that's their attitude, you know what? The world has already succeeded. And a lot of, a lot of guys are out there too. It's like, oh, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to be popular. I'm not, and again, it's not about gaining fame for ourselves. Okay? If you're a pastor and you are and you're just about gaining fame, notoriety and all that kind of stuff, then, you know, you're a terrible person. It's not about us it's about the message we should be all about the message getting out there we should do whatever we can to get it out there and we ought to use the tools at our disposal and i'm glad more people are using the internet some people i wish they'd quit just because they're a bad example and they're not helping the cause but you know we need more good people out there online and we don't want need them filtering the truth and so the bible says in ecclesiastes 3 7 it says a time to keep silence and a time to speak. There is a time to keep silence, but there is a time to speak. And I just want to, I want to briefly cover some things where we need to make sure we open our mouth. And then I want to talk a little bit about reasons people aren't doing it. But the first thing, and I'm going to, I was planning on waiting to talk about this. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and kind of give you a little sneak peek into something I'm wanting to do next year. I don't, I, hopefully it doesn't freak you all out, but it shouldn't freak you all out. But kind of, uh, kind of a, uh, well, first off, let me read this verse to you. So Ephesians 6.19, if you want to turn over there, it says, And as for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul wanted them to pray for him because he wanted to have utterance. He wanted to be ready. He wanted to be able. He wanted to be capable in speaking the gospel and to do it with boldness. He wanted to do it with clarity because again, what we are all about 
is that we are not just about us getting saved and us going to heaven. Most people that are in churches today are sitting in churches thinking this will help my chances of going to heaven. We understand that doesn't help your chances of going to heaven. That's already settled when, when you believed on Christ. And if you haven't believed on Christ, you're not going to heaven no matter how much you go to church. But part of what we do as a practicing Christian is we open our mouth boldly and we share these things with other people and we must always open our mouths about the gospel. We ought to pray that the Lord will help us be more bold, help us be more clear. We ought to pray the Lord will give us more opportunity. And you know what else we need to do when it comes to opening our mouth with the gospel? We ought to make opportunity when it comes to these things. And let me tell you something. I think we miss a lot of opportunities too. And something I want to do next year, I'm trying to think of what I want to call it for like a theme. The only, the only name I have that makes a lot of sense and works really good, it just sounds too trendy, so I don't want to go with it. But, uh, but how many's ever heard of like CrossFit, right? CrossFit, and that's where they do a lot of different types of exercises to work different muscles and keep your body confused and all that. But as I was thinking about it, as Christians, we, we do, we, we're, we kind of get in a routine. We kind of get in a rut. And people often do that even in their exercising routine. They kind of get in a rut and in a routine. And they just do the same thing all the time. So they never really improve. Well, we ought to always be trying to improve and better ourselves. But sometimes we need somebody to motivate us to come along and to try something different. And so next year, what I was wanting to do is every week, I would like to just kind of put out a new challenge for people. Like, do this this week. For example, and, and not hard things, okay? We're not going to make anybody exercise, okay? I, prom- I promise that. All right, we're, we're not going to make anybody exercise. But even just things like this week, I want you to take 10 gospel tracks and don't give them out knocking doors. We all, we all know you can do that, okay? You're like the per- person who only does push-ups. That's the only exercise to do. Hey, you're really good at doing push-ups. And that's a good exercise. But you know, how about we try some other things too? And so, you know, I'm glad we're good at sewing. But what if you took 10 tracks and said, I want you to just give this to cashiers, random people that you talk to, somebody that you're talking, you know, what, that's pumping gas next to you at the gas station. Just, you know, how many opportunities do we have that we don't take advantage of? You know, try to uh, I encourage people, hey, this week, your challenge for the week, give, to some, give someone the gospel when you're not soul winning. Give somebody the gospel when you're not soul winning. How many opportunities, we, we don't talk amongst each other as a culture. And just trying different things like that. And I'll bet if, if, if we would, if, if people try these things, what's going to happen is as we try these different spiritual exercises, some of, some people hopefully will find out, you know what? I like this one. I'm good at this one. You know, and so you do, you have some people, I want to be the push-up record breaker. Or I want to be the pull-up record breaker or whatever, you know? And you know what? We might, somebody might find out, hey, I like this form of evangelism and maybe you become really good at it. Maybe you struggle with the door-to-door stuff. Maybe there's certain things that you're, you're not that good at, but this other aspect, you're, you're better at it. And I think it's just good to try new things. And it won't even just be solving things. Even when it comes to things like reading your Bible, sometimes you need to be challenged. You know, sometimes like in, in the running, you know, we do like the potluck 100 where some of us quit after 23.8 miles. Okay. You know, and I'm going to get that point eight in there. I deserve it because you know, that point eight was tough. But, uh, you know, we, we quit after that. But you know what? Sometime, you know what? Maybe have a month where you read 10 chapters a day for a whole month or 50, you know, or, or a week, you know, where you read 20 chapters, you know, just try different things. Like, let's just go crazy one week. Well, you know, obviously nobody can go out running a hundred miles on all the time on a regular basis. But it's, isn't it fun to kind of, you know, push yourself sometimes in these things? And you know what, you know, maybe, maybe one week, let's, let's do a four, five, six hour soul winning marathon. So let's do a soul win to a drop day. You know, just, we'll have one day where, and you know, and we're not going to judge anybody that quits after an hour. We just try to encourage everyone to come out and this is how it's going to work. We are going to go soul winning and you, and it, it starts at this time and it ends. We got to quit at dark. Okay, you know, you, you know, you can't go knock, you freaking people out knocking on their doors at night. You do it in the summer. And then just, just see how long we can make it. You say, why are we doing it for bragging rights? No, we're doing it to challenge ourselves. Because things like that too, it, it'll, it'll motivate us. And then the next time you're out there on kind of a hot day and you've been going for like an hour and you're just like, ah, I'm more out. You know what? You'll remember that time. I did it for eight hours one time. You know, and we're not doing it because, you know, we're setting the new standard. 
That's what Christians do. We just want to see if we can do it. We're challenging ourselves. Just trying to be better. Trying to do something different. Maybe have a prayer challenge or a fasting challenge. That's when we'll split the church right there. Fasting? Are you kidding me? Hey, listen, we're not going to make anybody do anything, but I think it will be good to challenge people on, on that. Because at the end of the day, ultimately what it's all about, what the goal is, is, you know what? We need God's people making some noise. And we need to be challenged on these things. And especially when it comes to the gospel, we want to be opening our mouth. It should be our attitude, keep not silence. We're going to keep on making noise. We ought to, we need to make sure we never shut our mouths and we keep not silence when it comes to the truth about sin. No matter what, it's still true. For the wages of sin is death. Galatians 5.19 Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And not only are these people not going to go to heaven, but even on earth, there is going to be problems, there is going to be struggles as a result of these sins. And folks, it is a shame with all the professing Christians we have in this country, and people are not embarrassed about fornication, they're not embarrassed about shacking up, they're not embarrassed about you know unwed mothers and pregnancies and things, even things like witchcraft. Folks, witchcraft is becoming more and more acceptable in our society. It's just becoming normal. And obviously, you know, because you know, not the bad witches, the good ones. No, there's no good witches. There's, there, it's, it's all bad. And let me tell you, we're to the point now where even the bad witches are looked at as like this, you know, glamorous thing. It, these things are not okay. The there was the death penalty on witchcraft in the Bible. Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. That, that, that's what God said about these things. But yet we're told today it's no big deal. You know, the drunkenness. Why is it? that people are not ashamed of these things. And you, know, you know why people aren't ashamed? Because we've been intimidated into silence. We've been told, judge not, judge not, judge not, judge not. That's what we've been told. You know, ignoring the fact that, no, that judge not means, when it says judge not, that you be not judged, it means don't be judging somebody about their drinking when you are drinking. That's what that's all about. It's all about hypocrisy. We should be calling these things out Somebody has got to be a voice against these things. There need, it needs to happen. What, what, you know, just this week, uh, when we were, at, we were at SeaWorld, I saw a couple of lesbos walking by, shaking hands, and I had my kids, and we kind of made eye contact, and I just went, like that. That's rude. I don't want filth like that thinking that they are acceptable in civilized society. I want them feeling like people are disgusted by them and have a problem with them because normal people do. Now, a lot of people are silent about it. A lot of people have been intimidated into silence about it. But again, it, it's, it's wrong. We need to say the truth about these things and people ought to be embarrassed by their sin. When people are out, out in public using profanity and stuff, somebody ought to say something about it. So, you know, give them a, give them a dirty look. Give them a nasty look. I've done that multiple times at Walmart. And it's usually women too. When just there's this, I mean, I, I just saw it the other day, a woman dropping F-bombs and S-bombs at her little kid right there in Walmart. And I remember one time, this, this was a, just happened to be a lesbo too. I, I was walking back to the sporting goods section at Walmart and all of a sudden I just hear this, I won't go into the physical description, Let's just say it was a disgusting lesbian. Okay? Just absolutely disgusting. That, and I mean, I hear her just dropping the worst profanity right there in the sporting goods section. She was probably getting ready to go hunting or something. You know, right there at Walmart. And she comes around the corner and I just, and I just go, ugh. <laughs> like that. And she just kind of looked at me funny. And then what was funny, I saw the woman she was with and it was somebody that I used to work with that I was suspicious <laughs> I was fishing. I got confirmation that day. But let me tell you, you know, people that talk, they're, they're disgusting pigs. Okay? They're, I mean, not just because they're lesbians, but people who just think they can talk and act that way in public, that is disgusting. These are vile people that should be embarrassed by their lack of intelligence, 
just their, their disgustingness about their mouth, their subject matter. When you hear dirty jokes, it is okay for you to call those things out. It is, it is okay. Make them uncomfortable. I, I remember, um, some years back when I was doing, I was doing a sales job and I was with the boss who was also a Christian and we were talking to a customer. You know, you're trying, you're trying to sell him a job. I don't know if we, I remember if we got this job or not, but I just remember this guy, he was just kind of a dirty old man. And all of a sudden he just decided to tell us, he, he, he gave us a joke and the punchline turned out, you know, it, it was, it was a dirty joke. And when he, when he said the joke, we were just both like, you know, we, we just, we both just kind of responded, just like we got this embarrassed look in our face and we didn't really laugh. It was just, oh. and he was just like, and he just, he knew it didn't go over good. And he was just like, you guys aren't some kind of Christians or something, are you? And we were like, yeah. And then he was just like, oh, <laughs> then he felt really bad and apologized for it. But you know what? I'm glad he got embarrassed by that. Maybe next time he'll be a little more careful. When he's trying to tell people his perversion, trying to spread perversion. That's what needs to happen. We, and, and unfortunately, we, we, have, we live in a society where there's supposedly Christians all over the place, but our world is very comfortable being sick, twisted, and vile, and perverted. We have to say, somebody's got to say something about it. It's not being judgmental. We can't act like we approve of this stuff. Somebody's got to let these people know this is sin. Somebody's got to let people know this is wrong. We do not need to pretend that we approve of these things. And, you know, and unfortunately, you know, often we're the bad guys. There's been times we've been invited to weddings in our family where people were shacking up before and already had kids and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden they decide they want to have this big fancy ceremony like all the people who do things right and wait for the white wedding dress and everything. We don't go. You know, we're, we're not going to those things. I'm not going to celebrate the uniting of two people by God who have already been united physically outside the bonds of holy matrimony. I don't think they ought to be performing a holy ceremony like that. You know, if people were, it, it, I think if you were doing it wrong and you learned the truth, I think you just need to go to a judge and make things legal. And you can do a preacher too, have some kind of private thing if you want, but don't do the big fancy celebration, the wedding dress with all the uh, holy things that represents when you've been doing things the wrong way. I just don't think that's right. And let me tell you something. Let me just remind my kids for sure about this, especially my girls who I have to pay for their weddings. I'm not paying for a wedding that celebrates something holy if you have been completely unholy and being a floozy. So just remember, you know, be a floozy or something like that, then you know what? You get a courthouse wedding. You get, you get, or if you get it with me, it's like a private ceremony. Because we're not doing the big celebration when you did things right because fornication is a serious sin. But unfortunately today, we, I sound like a radical saying this stuff. A lot of people would be offended by the things that I'm saying, even though the things I'm saying, that, that's what Americans used to think. It used to be a shameful thing. It used to be a scandalous thing to think people were shacking up and, and living with each other. And things like that. And it, it, it's not the case. In fact, if you go, you can go watch, there's an old Disney cartoon. It's an old Disney cartoon, the Aristocats. And, and it, and, un, and you know, Dis, Disney's always been ahead of its time and evil. And so it's kind of making fun of people, but there, there's a cat, a mother cat that's got these kittens and then they're with this other cat. And there's like these gossiping geese on there who like, are like talking how this relationship seems wrong. It's like, this is scandalous, this is terrible. They're like, they're quite probably reprobate, is was one of the things they said on there, which I thought was, which I thought was pretty funny. But it was just like, that's, but that, that used to be the mentality, you know, and they, just, you know, on these wholesome kids movie, the cats weren't shacking up. <laughs> but, but, but either, either way, look at it, it was kind of making fun of those who looked down on that. But understand, there was a time when society looked down on that kind of thing. But it's not the case anymore, and it's still sin, it's still wrong, it has consequences. And, un and understand, we never hate the children in these things, but because we love children, it's why we hate these kind of re relationships so much. The chances are, these children who come from, uh, you know, uh, you know, births that come out of wedlock and th pregnancies out of wedlock and things, are probably going to grow up in unstable homes. And we don't want to see that. And they're probably going to, they're going to be without a lot of things that children deserve. 
Children deserve mothers and fathers who uh, who love each other and who are faithful to each other. Uh, you know, kids shouldn't have to see different men coming in the house all the time. That's not how things should be, but that's how it is today. And unfortunately, people don't seem to care. But sin has consequences. It has earthly consequences. There's eternal consequences if you're not saved. And people need to understand that. We need to also never keep silence when it comes to the righteousness of God. Now, this is, this is important too because I, not, not only just be, do we need to be proclaiming the righteousness of God because it's true, but it's the righteousness of God that reveals to us our sinfulness. So understand, one of the best things we can do to help people get a hold of the truth of the gospel, the truth about their sin, is to promote the righteousness of God. Now, often we make the mistake of of promoting our own morality, our standards, and whatever. We shouldn't do that. We promote the righteousness of God. We should never act like we are any more than what we are. And that is sinners just doing our best to please a great Savior. And And so people should see us making an effort but we should never act like we've arrived. But it says in Psalm 119, verse 137, it says, Righteous art thou, O Lord, and upright are thy judgments. Psalm 119, 160, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Psalm 19:7, one of my favorite passages in the Bible, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Now, folks, now, maybe I'm missing it. And if I'm missing it, let me know. Uh, and I, I, I'd like to know just for further reference. But I can't think of any place in the Bible when it's talking about sin, when a prophet's calling out sin, when the Bible is writing about what is sin. I can't find anywhere in the Bible where the preacher, the writer, is apologetic about what they're saying. I can't find that. But you know what we hear today? in Baptist churches even, whenever they want to get up and even preach against homosexuality. Now, just so everybody knows, I'm a sinner too. You know, and, and I have to say, this is sin because the Bible says, and I listen to preachers all the time, especially the lame, pathetic ones all over Twitter, and, and they're all, it's like they apologize for calling homosexuality an abomination. Why do we apologize? For why do we have to say, and, and by the way, I'm a sinner too. That, that's their way of apologizing for it. Let's call these things out. Notice in Psalms when he's talking about the, the law of the Lord, it's perfect. No apology for it. Now I know it says some pretty harsh things, but that's just, that's just how we feel because we're so sinful and God is, God is, no. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting soul. Testimony of the Lord is sure making wise and simple. These things are right. They're true. They're pure. There's, there is nothing about the Scriptures that we need to apologize for. We don't need to apologize for Leviticus 20.13. We don't need to apologize for all the, all the passages about death penalty all over the Bible. We don't need to apologize for these things. They are right. You know what we should be doing? We should be pr- promoting them. We should be singing psalms like in Psalms 19, like Psalms 119, that is praising the, and exalting the righteousness of God that is making a big deal about how good they are. When we hear Scriptures, when we hear laws, when we hear the judgments that the Bible gives, the punishment that the Bible gives, you know what we ought to do? We ought to praise it. We shouldn't apologize for it. What message are we sending to the world when we got to act like we're, you know, we're sorry for what we're preaching? From the word, I know this seems mean. No. This is right. This is right. If that bothers you, you're not right. You need to ask God to help you get your heart right. You need to ask the Holy Spirit to clean you up a little bit. You've obviously been hanging out in the stinky sewer of this world too long that if these things don't bother you a little bit. If it bothers you to hear condemnation about sin, it's because you're just you're in it too much. You're too comfortable in it. You're worried too much about what the world thinks. 
God did not call us to apologize for Him. God called us to proclaim what He said and we're supposed to praise Him. We're supposed to rejoice in it. We're supposed to agree with it. God does not need us filtering His message to help Him look good. And let me tell you, we, you know, we do that sometimes. Have you ever done that before too where you had to relay a message to somebody that wasn't really a good message and you didn't want to upset the person so you made it, maybe made it sound a little bit better than it was? Because, you know, you knew it was going to upset him. God doesn't need us filtering his message. God said, here's my word. Proclaim that word. Don't change it. You know, don't, don't do like a lot of people are doing where they're literally taking God's word and changing words into something that is less offensive. You know, like changing whore to prostitute. It's just like, you know, why are we doing that? Well, you know, whore makes people think negative thoughts. Well, it should. Have you seen what the Bible says about them? It's not good. The Bible called you know, the whore of Babylon for a reason. Because it was a wicked, horrible thing. And it used a very strong word. And yet people are like, oh, we need to, we got to watch out for that. You know, we, we don't, we don't want to offend people. No, you need to open your mouth about these things. You're not supposed to keep silence about it. We need to make sure we never keep silence when it comes to the truth about hell. Mark 9:43. And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell into the fire that shall not be quenched. Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. Isn't it interesting how it keeps emphasizing fire is not quenched? You know why? Because hell is an eternal judgment. It's not a one-time thing. It's not one day and over. It's not you go in there, you burn up, you're done. No, it keeps going. That's what's so bad about it. If thy foot offend thee, just for emphasis, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life, into halt into life, than having two feet cast into hell, into the fire that should never be quenched. Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy right eye, if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye, than having two eyes be cast into hell fire. Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And you know what I think too? I think if it's better for you to have your hand cut off, your eye plucked out, your foot cut off, whatever, I think it's better that you get offended than it is that you go to hell where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. I think it's better you get offended. I think it's better that I take a chance of losing a friend on earth than guaranteeing that friend go to hell where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. That needs to be our attitude. But yet, we're being told where people are being intimidated and some pastors even apologize when they talk about hell. We don't need to apologize for these things. We, we need to proclaim these things. We need to loudly proclaim these things because it's true. And if it offends somebody, obviously we don't want to offend people. We're not trying to offend people. We don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to make people uncomfortable. I don't want to make people not like me. But it's better that I make a few enemies along the way than it is that I don't get the truth to somebody and they die and they go to hell where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And you know what? I mean, if you want to, I mean, it, it probably would be biblical and it might even be effective that whenever you're talking to somebody and you're talking to them about hell, you ought to say, where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Because that sounds bad. Where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. That's bad. A lot of people, because a lot of people are always thinking about hell as like it's not a big deal. You know, like, you know, they tell you they're going to have a party in hell. Oh, really? You're going to have a party in hell where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched? Well, this is not like a party. Again, the, the, the words of God are there for a reason to put thoughts into our minds. And what thoughts come to your mind when you see where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched? It's not a party. It's not a pleasant thing. And when I say if I hand offend, you cut it off. I don't think God wants any of us cutting our hand off. I think God wants us thinking, how valuable is this hand to me? But it's not worth losing my soul over and going to a place where there were not and the fire is not quenched. We have to keep making noise about these things. Turn to Psalms chapter 30 and verse 11. Another thing we should never keep silence about is our thankfulness to God. Psalm 30, 11, Thou hast turned for me from my warning, mourning into dancing. Thou hast put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness to the end that my glory may sing praise to Thee and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks unto Thee forever. We should always be opening our mouth and thanks to God. And let me tell you something. Don't ever let anybody shame you into not praying and thanking God for your food, even if you're in public. 
even if it might offend some blue hair woman out there, you know what you ought to do? You ought to pray and you ought to thank the Lord for your food. I don't think we ought to go around, you know, talking all super spiritual about every little thing. And it's just like, hey, you know, the Cubs won today. Oh, praise the Lord. Shut up. You know, I, you know, let, let's let's keep it legit. Let's keep it real. You know, and, and don't whenever you say something about God, all of a sudden go into your religious voice too. Have you ever noticed like like the preachers who have their preacher voice? And like religious people kind of have that religious voice and just, you know, talk, just, you know, talk normal. It's okay to talk about the goodness of God and how he's blessed and, uh, and to be public about these things. And at least, listen, I mean, we ought to do it everywhere. Keep, you know, we shouldn't keep silence at work. We shouldn't keep silence anywhere, but boy, especially at church, you shouldn't keep silence about praising God. You know, uh, your, your brothers and sisters need to be reminded about what God is doing. And when the Lord blesses you, you ought to praise the Lord for it. It's okay to publicly proclaim these things. When we have, you know, prayer requests and praises, it's okay. it is good for us to hear the good things that God has done for you, to hear us praising the Lord for things. It's a blessing. And let me tell you something. There's been many times I've been convicted from hearing people praise the Lord because I'll see them appreciating things too where the Lord has been very good to be in that area, and I've been thankful. They're thanking, you know, I mean, for example, too, I mean, just, you know, I, you know, you, if you hear somebody thanking God for like some, you know, uh, you know, miraculous recovery of uh, some sickness of their child, of cancer. I mean, I've known people whose kids had cancer and had leukemia and they've had to do chemo and stuff like that. And when, when you hear people praising the Lord for how God is helping their child through these things, all of a sudden it's like, I probably should praise God that my kids don't, aren't even dealing with this stuff. If you have healthy kids, that's something to praise the Lord for. If you're healthy, that's something to praise the Lord for. Hey, I'm just, you know, you hear people, hey, I want to thank the Lord, you know, I, I my pain has been to a minimum in this area. I don't have any pain in that area. I should probably thank the Lord for that. Because those can be very difficult things, but we forget about that. How many have ever, you know, we've all been sick before. Isn't it a blessing when you're not sick? What do you, what do you think about when you're sick? Just being healthy again. Oh, if I could just be healthy again. You know, how, how many times too, I've been there before where I've like wanted, I just wanted a day off work so bad. I was so tired of my job and you almost wish you were sick so you could call off from work. How many has ever been at work that I would rather be at home sick? But you know what? When I'm at home sick, I'm always like, work is better than this. Work is better than me just laying in my bed. When you're, when you're not sick, the thought of just laying in your bed, you know, recovering, sounds wonderful. But when you're actually sick, it's horrible. It, it's, it's a nightmare. And so we, do, we have so much we can thank God for, but we're just, we're quiet about it. I want people to think I'm weird. I want people to think I'm bragging. No, it's okay to brag on God. It's okay to glory in the Lord. But unfortunately, I'm afraid that one of the reasons we don't open our mouths when it comes to all of these things is a lot of times we just don't know enough about these things. In 1 Peter 3.15, it says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We should always be ready to give answers. And we were talking about this before church, but let me just say this here too in case for, for the online world. For anyone who may ever start coming to this church, if it is okay for you to come to this church. Yes, this is a soul-winning church. When you start coming to this church, you don't need to act like you're a super Christian. If you have not been trained in giving out the gospel and being a soul winner, you don't have to come here and pretend you know what you're doing. You don't have to do that. You can come here and you can learn. And you can start and, and you'll get good at it. But we've had the people that came through, it's like they had to prove they were right there with us and everything. And then you go out soloing with them, it's like they have no idea what they're doing. It's like, you know what? It's, it's okay to admit I don't know that much about something. Because when, you, when you're not confident in these things, you know what we typically do? We typically clam up. If you all start, if we all start having a conversation after church about the political situation right now going on in Scandinavia, I'm going to be very quiet in that conversation because I have no idea what's going on politically over there. Absolutely no idea. Okay? Now, a lot of people right now are talking a lot about the political situation over in Israel and Palestine, and they have no idea what they're talking about, and they won't shut up. 
<laughs> but they think they do because they listen to John Hagee and Fox News. But understand, it is natural when we don't know much about something, we're probably not going to speak about it. But you know, that's why we need to learn. That's why you need to study the Scripture. That's why you need to listen to preaching on these things. If you, when you learn the facts about things, you just can't keep your mouth shut about it. And it isn't kind of a thing they make fun of too, like like the Trekkies and the Star Wars nerds and all that kind of stuff. You know, one thing you can always do to drive them nuts, like like you all saw this morning how nuts I was going over that altar dedication thing because they were, it's like, I know what the Old Testament says. They're not doing it right. It drove me crazy. Okay, I was acting the way a Star Trek nerd were if I was to get up and start talking about Star Trek and my favorite character is Han Solo and I love, you know, when he chopped Jar Jar Binks' head off with a lightsaber and all that stuff. And, you know, any Star Trek person would be like, that's Star Wars and that didn't even happen in Star Wars. You don't know what you're talking about. It's going it's to drive them crazy. And now, if, if you've never heard of Star Trek or Star Wars, I could get up and I could say all that stuff and you won't have any reason to not believe me. You're just like, oh, whatever. But when you know about it, you're going to say something. And you want to know why it is, and even in a lot of churches, preachers can get up and barf false doctrine all over the place and nobody says anything? Because nobody knows anything. Nobody knows the facts. Nobody's actually studied, studied these things. And they can get up and say some of the craziest, off-the-wall stuff, sometimes downright heretical things, and nobody says anything because they don't know anything about it. But if God wants us making noise, God doesn't want us keeping silence. But if we have not gotten these things in our heart, if we haven't got them in our minds, we have nothing to say. I have nothing to say about that. And I, I've, there's been many times I have been asked questions about different things. And it's just like, I have nothing to contribute to this conversation. I am not familiar with that at all. And... And so, you know what? I end, up, I end up being silent. We shouldn't be silent about the gospel. We ought to know it. We ought to be ready for it. You know how many people, too, there are in Baptist churches that when they hear about stuff like, you know, the, the debate about the rapture, even the debate about repentance and things like, ah, I, I just, I don't even worry about that stuff. You should probably care about that stuff. You probably should learn the truth about these things. You probably should know where you stand because if there is a debate in the Baptist world, that means in the Baptist world, there's two different things being taught. And either one of them's true or, uh, and one of them's false or both of them are false. You should probably find out which one's right. That way, when it's being preached in your church, you're going to know what's going on. Yeah, and you know what? And then they'll be silent. And that's why I think a lot of preachers don't want their people knowing about this stuff because they just want them to keep their mouth shut. I think the best thing you could do for a lot of pa- what a lot of pastors would like in a lot of their churches is for a bunch of ignorant people who are only solid on tithing. And then, you know, everything else, you know, yeah, you don't need to know about that. You know, but tithing, that's good because then they'll keep getting their paycheck, but then you won't be causing any trouble because you don't know you don't know what's going on. But we're a lot of times we're afraid we're afraid of being challenged. Well, listen, you won't be afraid if you do your homework. If you study, and you know, and that's that's just how I feel all the time. I mean, I'm ready to go. You know, I, I'm always I'm always ready and anxious. I I have been like I'm always inviting people on my podcast to discuss their point of view and different things, and I get shut down all the time. Tomorrow, I'm putting out an invite to three Baptist pastors uh, who have a different position on Israel, and that put something out this week that I'm planning on covering. I'm inviting all of them to come. I will be polite. I will be honest. I will be fair. I will give them the last word. I'm going to let them say what they have to say, but I, I will challenge them. I will challenge them. And I, knowing these guys, they're probably all going to reject me. Okay, But I'm going to put the invite out before I cream them. So, and, and, and I say that in a nice way. But at the same time, I, I, like, first of all, I don't get invited on that many podcasts, but when I do... I have been many times when there's been like a debate going online. I'll have I've had atheists do this. I've had I've had other Christian groups. I had I had a Calvinist the other day, and I'll tell them they'll, they'll invite me on the podcast. And then you know what I always do immediately? I tell them just let me know when, and I never hear from them again. I'm ready to go on these things. All right, bring it on, Calvinists. You know I, I had a preterist call me the other day, and, and he was kind of hinting around about doing something like that. And I said let's do it. You want to come on my podcast and we'll talk about preterism? 
I was like, well, okay, well, you know, you know, Donnie on Standing for Truth. I was like, we can do one with him. He'll moderate and everything. You, know, you, you want to do that? Uh, aren't you ready to go? I'm ready to go. Listen, I, I've been running my mouth about the Predators for a while. I, I, I say a lot about these things. I'm not going to keep silent about this stuff. I think the, the, many of the things they teach are wrong. I think they're downright heretical. I don't just publicly say that stuff unless I'm ready to prove why. And I'm ready to defend my position. But it's amazing how they'll just kind of take shots from their end, but then, you know, they're not ready to give an answer. It's like, hey, can I challenge you on this? And they're not willing to do it. And it, it is. It's sad how many Baptists are like that. And it's because they're, they're afraid they're going to look bad, and it's because they don't know. And so, but again, this is the age of social media. Everybody has a platform. Everyone can run their mouth. And, but at the same time, too, if you really were bold and brave, you would allow yourself to be challenged by somebody. But they won't do it. A lot of times, too, people won't open their mouths because they're afraid of what their opinion will do to them socially. But you know what? My Bible says in Second Peter, or Timothy 1.7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou for ashamed of the testament of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner. But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Hey, we should not have a spirit of fear. Now understand, a spirit of fear is not necessarily a spirit of recklessness. Okay, obviously, I don't think we ought to need to be going and doing stupid stuff. But at the same time, too, I don't think we ought to be afraid, you know, when it comes to the truth. Uh, I, I talked to a pastor a while back who's very pro-Israel. And I told him, I was like, I don't even think that Israel over there is a legitimate nation. It doesn't meet any of the criteria of the scriptures to actually be Israel. It's not even... You know, even what they formed in 1948, it's, it's, it's not clear. I said, I don't, think, I don't think it's a legitimate nation. You know what his response was? You go tell them over there they're not a legitimate nation. What do you think they'll do to you? I said, they'll probably beat me up. I was like, that's what they did to guys like Paul. They killed Jesus. But, but it's like, you go, to, you go over to Palestine and tell them they're not a legitimate nation. You're dead. Okay, I don't think we ought to be reckless, but let me tell you something. If I had an opportunity to, you know, actually get an audience over there somewhere to, to hear what I had to say, willing to know the truth, I, w- I don't have any problem telling them that. I have no problem letting them know. It's not a hateful thing. I don't believe they're a legitimate nation. God did not call them back in 1948. If they want the land back, they must accept the Messiah and wait for His return at the millennium, and then they can get the land back. Until then, they're going to have to keep fighting these wars. They're going to keep going through these battles, and even if they win them, they're going to die and go to hell, and they're going to stay in hell where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. That's what's going to happen. And then when Jesus comes back, they're going to be cast into outer darkness. There's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When they see Abraham, or when they see us sitting with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom, and they being thrust out as the children of the kingdom, that's what's going to happen. I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell people that. And I'm not going to apologize for it. I have no reason to apologize for these things. But often, we, we care more about being about people being our friend than we do about them being a brother or sister in Christ. You're a bad friend if you aren't telling people about Christ. You're a bad friend. You know, we care more about the benefits of friendship than we care about their eternal soul. Let me tell you, when, when you will let your friendship get in the way of telling them the gospel, it's because you love yourself more than you love them. You love the pleasure that their friendship brings you. And understand, friendship is great. Your friends bring you pleasure. And there's nothing wrong with that. But some people love that pleasure that comes from them. They love that fellowship more than they love them. And if you will, if you will let your friends and your family go to hell at risk of you know, of losing those things. If you tell them the gospel, then let me tell you something. You love yourself. You don't love them. You ought to love your friend more than you love yourself. And you ought to be willing to take a chance that I might sacrifice this friendship. I might sacrifice 
this relationship. But you know what? Who cares if we're friends for the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years and you die and go to hell where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched? That needs to be, and you need to, you need to take that chance. That's what you do if you really cared. But we're not thinking about that. And so we're just kind of, we're kind of silent. We're afraid of what our opinion will do to us socially. A lot of times the reason we keep silence is simply we just don't care. That was the lady we talked to today. She just kept telling Brother Matt, I just, I just don't care. I just don't really care. That's what she kept saying. She's just like, you know, I just think God's going to do whatever and I just don't care. And he's trying to show her, well, you know, we, we can know what God's going to do. You know, I, I, I just don't care. Either way, it does, it, I don't care. It's like, well, you need to care. <laughs> you, you need to care, but some people don't care. And let me tell you, the reason a lot of people are silent is because they just don't really care. The reason a lot of people don't go out sowing, they, just, they, don't, they don't really care. You know, they don't care people are going to go to hell. They don't care that they could potentially change someone's eternal destiny. They, they're not thinking about it. It's not on their mind. It's not on their heart. So Isaiah 56, 9 says, All ye beasts of the field, come to devour, yea, all beasts in the forest. His watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark. Sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yea, they are greedy dogs, which can never have enough. And they are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look to their own way, every one for his gain from his quarter, Come, ye say they, I will fetch wine and we will fill ourselves with strong drink and tomorrow we shall be as this day and much more abundant. You don't want to get compared to dogs. It's always bad in the Bible. They're, and not just dogs, dumb dogs. They, they can't bark. Okay? And barking, it is. Bark, dogs often bark as a warning. It gets people's attention. We're supposed to be barking. We're supposed to be making some noise. It's annoying. Barking is annoying. But sometimes you need that to wake you up, to get your attention. At Jeremiah 20, it says, For since I spake, I cried out. I cried violence and spoil, because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me and a derision daily. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. That should be your attitude right there. I can understand sometimes feeling like, you know what, I'm done. You know, I'm done. I'm done soul winning. I'm done preaching. I'm done standing for these things. But you know what? It's like a fire in your bones. When you know, I got, I got to say something. You know, ah, you know, I should probably shut up about this Israel stuff this week. I can't. It's a fire in my bones. You know, I'm going to say, I'm going to say something about it. That's how it should be. That, and, and, and I feel that way because I care about doctrine. I care about truth. And I'm telling you, when you can just not care about giving the gospel to people and it not just drive you crazy, and listen, it ought to at least be driving you crazy, keeping silent on these things. It ought to at least be a fire in your bones. And if it's not, you know, you've got something wrong and you need, you need to care. Often we don't care because it's not that important. Sometimes just certain details, things are not that important. I, I figured out who it was we were talking about before church, uh, you know, uh, uh, Brother Randall, his daughter, is about to have a baby. And um, you know, and I, I told my wife, I was like, yeah, Pastor Randall's daughter, they're, they're about to become grandparents. She's going to be having a baby pretty soon. Oh, really? When's the due date? I don't know. What are they having? I don't know. You know, and she was like asking me all these details. I, I just know she's going to have a baby pretty soon. I, that's, all, I, that's all I know. And, you know, I, women, they care a lot more about the details of pregnancies and stuff. You know, guys is pretty much, they have a baby. What was it? Boy or girl. Okay, good. And I, I never remember the name. I never remember the weight. I don't remember any of the details. Typically, I remember that if you, they had a baby and if it was a boy or a girl. Sometimes I forget though and I get it mixed up. And, and honestly, it's because, and, and, and don't, I don't, don't take this the wrong way. I mean, obviously, you know, we love the Randall family and everything, but it's just like certain details are just not that exciting to us guys. Okay? Now, if it was, if it was my son, you know, I'd be like, when's the due date? What's it going to be? Can you know after the first month? You know, just because you know, it's a boy, right? You no, know, that you know that you know that that's gonna that's gonna kind of be my attitude because you know, and that's understandable. You know, when it's when it's your grandkid, you know, that's that's Pastor Randall's grandkid. You know, you know, he, he's my friend, and everything, but it's not my grandkid. But uh, those details were important to my wife, and I failed in not getting them <laughs> from him. But uh, but when the more we care about something, the more details. We're going to get. I mean, how many of your, your wife has ever gotten angry because you knew some big news or at least what she thought was big news and you didn't tell her about it? I've gotten in trouble many times for that. I was like, why did you tell me about that? 
forgot. How did you forget that? And, I, and in reality, and I never thought of this until now, but this is going to be my excuse from now on, because I just didn't care. <laughs> That's why. And that's why we forget. That's why guys forget all these things. That's why the guys don't tell you about stuff that happened during at work that day because it, they didn't care. Yeah, yeah, but you told these other guys about it. Well, that's just because it was in the conversation and it came up. But at the end of the day, I didn't tell you about it when I first came home because, frankly, I didn't care. It was, it, it, that's, so right there, hopefully help ladies understand the guys a little bit better. And, you know, it's just, it's just, it's how we are. But often our minds, our minds are just elsewhere. You know, we discuss the things that have been on our mind. We discuss the new things that we learn. You know, just like a child comes home sometimes excited about what they learn in school. And when your kids do that, you know what? You ought to get excited with them. Because when, when they see you excited to hear about what they learned, they're going to want to learn more new things so they can come tell you about it. And so you ought to, you ought to get excited about that. You know, we discuss things that are priorities in our life. We discuss the things that we have been involved in. And let me tell you, when it comes to this, these subjects, the time for us to keep silence is when we're dead. Psalm 115.17, the dead praise not the Lord, neither any that go down into silence, but we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. And guess what? When it comes to praising the Lord, we're going to be praising Him after we're dead. So we're going to be praising Him in heaven during that time. But right now on this earth, we ought to do it. Telling others about Christ this is the whole reason we're here. We're not going to turn there. You know it. John 17. She said, I pray that thou should not take them out of the world, but thou shouldst keep them from evil. Jesus wants us here, letting people know about Him. And you know what? We are not afraid to recommend a restaurant, a mechanic, TV show, but often we're afraid to recommend the Savior. Isn't it amazing how valuable we think our opinions are when we're mad at a restaurant? One time, I... I got mad at the KFC in LaSalle because it was disgusting in there. I sat down on the seat and it was so greasy. When I stood up, there was an imprint of my backside on the seat. It was, it was just disgusting in there, but the food was fantastic. Filled out a card. I gave all positive things about the food. I gave all the worst scores on the cleanliness. I wrote on the comment. I said, I love the food here, but this place is disgusting. I recommend you burn it down and start all over again. Not lying. The next week, we drove by there, the building was gone. They didn't burn it down, they tore it down, and they rebuilt a new one. And to this day, they did that on my recommendation. I, I might have just got lucky. It might have been scheduled. It might have been scheduled, but I have always, I always take credit. You know, see that? You know, if you go there, it's on Route 6, right there in, in LaSalle, down, in downtown area of Peru. If you go by there, they got a KFC. I had that built. On, on my recommendation, it, it was that valuable. And we'll leave reviews everywhere, letting people know what we think about products. We need to let people know what we think about the Lord and about the things of God. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for uh, this, these uh, passages and the challenges that it gives us. And Lord, I pray you will help us to, Lord, to be vocal. Lord, we might not be many. We might be a minority today. But Lord, we are still here. There are still people who believe the truth about these things, who uh, agree with you about your word and about what sin is. And I pray, Lord, you will help us to be a force for good. I pray an influence for righteousness and help us to, to be bold, to learn these things. I pray that utterance will be given us and we can uh, just keep on getting the truth out there. In your name we pray. Amen.